Golf nerds, we're back. Happy uh, New Year. Happy as 2017. There's Tim O'Connor. Cheers, my brother. Cheers. That is the mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy. My name is Howard Glassman, co-host of the Humble and Fred Show. We come together as one. <laughs> is that like, it's not like we're married or anything, is it? You know, two rivers flow, become one. Well, I don't know what we are. I, mean, I think we're just in a committed relationship. I think so. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Swing Thoughts, Golf Geeks. The uh, number one mental performance slash cultural golf zeitgeist program. Spiritual experience. Spirit, I love that. Brought to you by Taylor May, the number one driver. On this planet is the M1. If you don't have it yet, then uh, you're uh, you're missing out. Speaking of drivers, I've got some interesting uh, information for our buddies today, Timmy, about the average length of the uh, of a guy's drive, men and women, uh, by age and by handicap. That will be interesting. Uh, also brought to you by Clublink. There's never been a better time. Right here in the middle of winter. And we're not a, we're not sponsored by Adidas anymore either. Or that's well, like, I'm not sure. Is Taylor made Adidas? Should we say? I don't know. They bought. Are, aren't they they're separated? Still a, no, they're still are a, they still together. Talk about committed relationships. <laughs> they're still a thing. Are they still a thing in they're 2017? A thing. A thing. Yeah. I was watching a little bit of the uh, tournament of champions yesterday. So this is Sunday, January 8th. On Sunday, Jan or Saturday the 7th, I watched a little bit of uh, that tournament in Hawaii, and it was kind of strange seeing Jason Day with the uh, Nike. Full on, they signed. They they. Uh, I thought they'd already signed him, and then uh, apparently they signed him again because uh, there's a big splash. Uh, they show him hitting balls out in the the cold weather and fully swoosh head to toe. Yesterday had the, the I guess it's by now it's just the tiger look, the black pants and the red shirt with the black uh, accents or whatever. I thought he looked cool. Oh, you know, Jason Day. He's one of those guys. He'd look good in anything. The good, like in one of the Hawaiian skirts yeah. or something. See, I, you know, young people. Young people, eh? <laughs> you, uh, you're putting me in there? No, I'm saying young people. They, you know, look at him. Oh, he's yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. A 28 years old. Everything he wears looks good. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to you and I, you know, everything I put on, it's like, well, this would look good if I still had an ass. <laughs> or I didn't have this wee bit of mm. a bulge here. You, you mean, what, what bulge are you talking about? Uh, the one that's hey, old, my friend. The, the one that's north of the belt. All right. All right. <laughs> Is that like like a muffin top or something? Yeah, yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new year. Uh, it was great. Our last show before we finished had all some of our buddies here, Tom and Brad and Mike. Rudra and Mike and... Uh, Craig. Craig uh, Capito. And your close personal friend, Ronan, who you... Ronan. Who you've met <laughs> how many times? <laughs> Ronan, who I promised in 2017 I didn't make any other <laughs> resolutions except to remember who Ronan was every time I see him. And you are... <laughs> so, Happy New Year to you, Tim O'Connor. I know you're... Right back at you, pal. You're... Uh, um, it's great. The spiritual leader welcomes you to yet another podcast. And you, I notice that the spiritual leader now is sporting a growth. He's got, like, the beard going, and it's it, it adds to... Just your holiness, your yeah. grizzledness, your groundedness, <laughs> okay, no. and your laziness. I'm so lazy. That's how it started in between Christmas and New Year's. I was like, I don't feel like shaving right now. There's no point. But uh, it's funny because you've had your goatee. It's not a goatee. What is it? Van Dyke? Van Dyke. Yeah. yeah. What's the difference? One has a... One has a much One has a cooler name. I think a goatee is the... Uh, and folks, you can let us know, please, via the power of social media... I think that the goatee is just the lower half, the under under the uh, the mouth thing, hmm. and the uh, and it's the combination with the uh, stash that makes it a Van Dyke. Well, let's go right here to what is the difference between a Van Dyke and a goatee? Lots of words, can't read them fast enough. Van Dyke is a variation of the goatee, and some also refers to the classic of the hair only worn on the chin may also be called a chin beard. A chin beard. No, it doesn't matter. But you look good in it. I'm not. This this will not be around by the time the golf season gets here, which is, uh, you know, I don't know when it officially starts for most people. I had a long conversation before you came to the studio today with my buddy Tim Southcott, as we literally were talking about um, 
tournaments that we're playing or may not play in <laughs> check it in August and September of 2017. We were literally looking at our tournament schedule because, you know, there's certain things we want to play in. Uh, definitely want to play in the provincial amateur for you know old guys. And if I qualify, I want to play in the Canadian seniors, but it it, con it conflicts mm. with another tournament that we both like, which is in Rochester. And I said to him at one point, I said, really, is there anybody else planning their sport for, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. nine months from today? It's ridiculous. Yeah, but it makes – actually, that's, that is one thing that golfers do. you got to yes. plan your schedule and um, make sure that everything works because a lot of planning, some hotels to – to book and all that, but also yes, getting coachy here. Yeah, um, making, let's talk about coaching. Making sure that your rest recovery cycle is yep. in good in a good place. Because I've historically said to you that you've uh, played a lot of golf, too and much, I, and I thought that you were often kind of burned out. But it seemed that you got um, you know, a, a, an idea that that maybe you don't have to play. Six days a week that maybe only five or four would suffice? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, what I learned from this last season is that, you know, I don't, I don't when I play five or six days in a row, it doesn't make me uh, any better. Um, and uh, in fact, that's one of the, the conversations we had because we were trying to see this one tournament ends on a, a Wednesday or Tuesday and we'd have to drive six or seven hours to get to the other one. And I said that to him. I said, I don't know about you, but we're pretty old. And by the time September comes, that kind of, you know, going from one to another, I said, we're not going to be playing very well at either of them if we have a seven or eight hour ride to get to play the next day. So, yeah, it's a great point. I was wanted to ask you about some of the things like you're still teach or still coaching guys here in the off season since I've seen you last, which was whatever day that was in December. Do you still keep in touch with these dudes? Yeah, the it's the real it's a real super keeners uh, this time of year. A lot of people say, okay, we'll see you, yeah. you know, kind of as the snow starts to go, but the, the, the guys and well, there's no women right now, but, um, we got some in Florida, uh, professional I work with, uh, another couple of juniors. Um, and, uh, one of our good friends is right now in Florida competing in club C's and that type of stuff. Seriously. So yeah, go, golf, I mean, if you got access to going down south, it's mm -hmm. you know, it's uh 365. But um some of the players it's they're still going at it and and the ones who are super keeners, you know, on really on changing the game, but a lot of stuff they got it's a lot of life stuff too. You know, things are going on in their lives that they want some uh you know, they want to make some changes. They want some support around. And and uh, what I provide is often for a lot of people is that safe place to go to where they can talk about this stuff that's really going on in their lives. And so I, I perform that role for a lot of people. If you want to uh, get a lesson, I don't know why I keep saying a lesson today. If you well, look, it started to snow. Wow. If you want to have Tim O'Connor to your very own self, you know, to be. If you want to be in the presence of greatness, my friends, huh. then uh, Tim dot O'Connor something. We're at, back to this again. I don't <laughs> even remember. It's, it's been a while, man. Well, yeah, it's been like three weeks. Tim O'Connor at golf something. O'Connor golf. golf dot ca. Right. Sign up for uh, the winter. Do you have a winter rate or is it the same rate? Same rate. Okay. Yes, my time is still the same value, if you will, but. Uh, do you want to talk about how far the average person hits a golf ball? Well, I'm waiting for you. Or do you want to wait? No, you tell me. I'm, I, don't I, know. I, I, I was intrigued by that because, of course, the backstory to this is that a lot of people say, oh, I hit it this far and this far. And yeah. most of us know that, no, they don't hit it that far. Even roll and, uh, no, no, what do they call it? Uh, carry and roll. Mm. But even with that. Speaking of that, though, I watched that tournament, as I said yesterday, watched about an hour or two. I like watching that Hawaiian tournament because it just looks so warm, <laughs> I you know? know, and I don't even focus so much on the players. I look at the other people. I look at the, the normal people that are just standing around in shorts because the last couple of days around here has been oh. brutal. Like the thing is, it's so cold, it can't snow. That's why I just noticed it was sort of these are lake effect. But, you know, it needs to warm up to actually get to a point where you can have precipitation. So I'm watching yesterday, and I'm like, ah, oh, this just looks so good. But there was so much roll on those fairways. There were a couple. Jimmy Walker hit 1408. 
Oh, but yeah. he had like 70 or 80 yards of just the ball wouldn't stop. Is that, like there's that, so much pitch on it. Is that on 18? Are they playing Kapalua? No, they, was there, I know they are playing Kapalua. I, I, no, the one I saw was somewhere on the front nine. It was a par five, and both of the guys that I was seeing, uh, Justin Thomas and whoever he was playing with, um, Patrick Reed, I think. doesn't matter. They, they hit it. it. It rolled for 60 or 70 yards. Most of us don't play courses like that. But as I said to you before we started, guys are so funny because most men will lie about the following. How far they hit drives and how good they are in bed. Both are, are exaggerated greatly in terms of time and distance. Exactly. How's that? Yes. And length. Time, distance, and length. We're still right. talking about driving. So if you're, let's take an average handicap. Let's take the uh, 10 to 19 handicapper. Um. And this is, it's interesting, is they, they have median driver distance, percentage of the time you hit that distance, and the average yards. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, if you're a uh, oh, I'll throw an age as well. Okay. So if you're 50 to 60, and you have a 10 to 19 handicap, what, let's start with just um, averages before we get to age. What do you think the average 10 to 19 handicap of any age hits it? I'm going to say, I'm going to say 225. If you're a handicap between 10 and 19, you are hit, your average drive is 215 yards. That's pretty close. 40% of the time. Mm. It's, it's close, but it's actually less than you thought, which was right. 230. Yeah. So let's go to the... Um, so that, and you only hit that 40% of the time. Right. If you have a less than five handicap, mm-hmm. so that's everybody else, your average drive is 250 yards. That's the average of all those handicaps tested. And ages? Well, wait a sec. So you only, you only hit that 14% of the time. If, if you're a... So think 14. about it. Under five, under five handicap, less than 15% of the time, you hit it 250. Wow. And that's of all these people they tested. That's surprising. 50 to 60-year-olds, um, your average drive by age. So 20 to 30, average is 240. 50 to 60... What do you think the average 50 to 60-year-old male hits it? Under, are we talking about average or? Average. Uh, 50 to 60. Wow. You know what? I'm going to say 205. 211 yards is the average drive of a 50 to 60-year-old dude. Well, that's not surprising. I mean, if you look at the majority of 50 to 60-year-olds, not in the greatest shape, Mm -hmm. despite you know how more aware people are generally about fitness and whatnot. The average male is still got a paunch and doesn't work on his flexibility. Um, doesn't take golf lessons. You know, is still chasing the magic uh, tip, whatever that is, in his golf swing. All of that, unless you're moving along and particularly taking care of your body, you're, you're not going to hit it very far at all. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, and what it does is it might, if you go look at it, it's in, it's in Golf Digest, just go, uh, just Google Golf Digest, how far does the average golfer really hit it? And you can see it, it's, it's interesting because I think it'll, you know, make it more realistic about what you're trying to do. I, I once had somebody say to me, you know, most golfers can tell you how far they hit their seven irons. Yeah, oh gosh. You know, yeah. we, all, we all have an idea, it's, you know, whatever that number is. Well, you got a, you got a range finder to figure it out. Right. But, and most of us, when we go to hit a seven iron... We go to hit it our seven iron length. Yeah, I mean, there's exceptions and they're idiots, but like we nutted it perfect. But no, we just we go. Well, I got That's one. Redundant, but. Yeah, <laughs> we got. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is most of us have a number in mind yeah. that this club goes between one fifty five and one sixty five, whatever that number is. We don't have that number in mind when we hit drivers. Yeah, it's a great mystery. We no, we just want to hit it as far as we can. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to going, well, this is my two hundred and thirty five yard club, so I'll just send it out there. In that distance range. And it's funny because most of us have a driver's swing that's so absurdly um, more aggressive than it needs to be because we just want to hit it as far as we can. I, I think it's they just don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just don't no, want to. They don't want to know, you know, how <laughs> how I really am in bed. Just don't really want to well, know. No, no one wants that kind of feedback. <laughs> no one wants to know that you were quick, short. <laughs> And it didn't last as long. And you fell asleep immediately. And you know what's funny? Because one of my brothers listens to this, and he's uh, 
He's a pretty good player. My other brother, who's a little younger, he and I, my older brother and I always talk about my, my brother Steve, how he exaggerates how far he really hits it. <laughs> Check this out. So I send this to him. And I get this note back. He goes, uh, well, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I hit it for the 70% of the time. I'm like, no, no, you don't. You don't. Just, I sent this to him to show him that his, his, his claims of hitting at 300 yards are slightly exaggerated. Did you tell him to practice acceptance? Yeah. Your what, spiritual leader wisdom? You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I've been with you. you. You know, once in a while, we all move it out there a pretty good length. I mean, we both do. But if I think about it, my average, I know what my carry, you know, I would say this to anyone listening, forget how far it goes. What you really want to, I would say, tune in to is how far you can carry a driver. Um, I know what you're thinking. I can carry it for 18 holes. Shut up. Not you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I know. Not, I'm not, not that quick enough. To I know that one. I can carry my driver. If I really make good contact with it, it's going to carry around 245. With the M1, once in a while, I'll carry. If it's downwind, I'll try. If I need to carry a bunker, 255, I'll try. The rest of the time, I just I'm, I aim somewhere else mm -hmm. because I know unless I unless something intervenes, of you know, I'm not going to be able to clear that. Yeah. What most people, a lot of people, don't understand is that the key to distance is not. Um, yeah, you need to move the club. It's club head speed. You need to hit the ball solid. Mm -hmm. And. Most as your handicap goes up, your chance of hitting at solid decreases, and the the more you can get on that sweet spot, the farther it goes, and that should be really. Does your shirt say Furic on it? No, it says Fury. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> it's kind of a yeah. It it's a, it's a it's a misnomer now. The old Howard, you know, before I became spiritual leader, uh, that was uh, you know. It wasn't as ironic as, as it yeah, is yeah. now. You don't have, like, love and hate tattooed on your... Yeah, I got knuckle, some tattoos. Listen, I've got some tattoos. Okay. So um, you're saying the average golfer would do well to, to be less aggressive. Yeah, yeah, and hit it solid, for there's, sure. There's all this focus, the, 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 the chasing after Nirvana, holy grail of greater distance and do this, do that. Hit it more solid, man, and you're going to hit it. you're going to hit it nicely. That's why I get back to, you know, when most of us have a seven iron and it's the distance is 150 yards and we go, great, I want to hit it from here to there of this distance. And so we swing commiserate with what that feels like. We just don't do that with drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm thinking, I think this is relatable. Most people listening, if they're being honest, will get up over a tee shot and just try and hammer it as, as hard as they can. And as you just said, higher handicap, less on the sweet spot. It ends up you can swing harder. It goes, doesn't go as far. Or it just goes further into the woods. It just goes further wrong. Mm -hmm. So we've covered a little bit of that. Um, let's talk a little. Uh, now, I gave you this book. Yes. Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier, which I read in December of 2015 into January 2016. It made a huge difference for me. Um talk about it because i know that you you know you've been doing meditation and you've been being present you're a present guy thank you but what about this book well the book and how it relates to golfers well okay that's a good piece to add on there um you talked about the book and um what i was just intrigued by what it what it kind of did for you and I'd heard I it was just a book that I'm always buying books. My wife is always pissed off when I get another mm -hmm. book. You know, you've already got seven on your bedside table. Oh my gosh. Um, but I finally got this book. And what I really loved about it is that Harris is a uh, he's a journalist. I I don't really practice journalism that much, but for about 30 years I did. So I th we think somewhat the same. It's always like trying to figure this stuff out, interview people, and being cognizant of projections I might have, how I'm seeing what they're saying, that type of thing. And what I love about it is that he just tells his story in a great way on how he came to discover meditation. And he had to go through this process of debunking it because he, like many, many people, thought it was about you know staring into crystals, wearing Birkenstocks, and I love the line, he said something of, of floating into some cosmic goo. <laughs> I love that. And by the way, you crystal people with the Birkenstocks, nothing wrong with that. No, that's right. You can do that if that's your thing. Don't throw them out because Coach Tim said. No, but what it is is that the, the, a lot of people, that's right. That's what they think it is. It's, it's this woo-woo stuff. And I remember when we first started doing the podcast, and I would start talking about things like, say, meditation or all this, and I would go, it's this woo-woo stuff. And 
and it was around trying to understand, and I think it might have been part of you having read that book maybe, is that meditation is a tool. It's not, yes, you can, I think if you've been meditating for 20 or 30 years, you might get to this other plane, but it's not really about, it could be about religion if you want to kind of go that way, particularly with Buddhism, but... Which, it, by the way, is uh, not a religion, it's a philosophy. Yeah, well... I didn't mean to correct you, but it's true. Well, I mean... You could go there. Oh, we can have a religious debate? Good. Yeah, there I we go. I have my computer. There we go. Well, anyway, so anyway, keep going. It's so, a, but it doesn't necessarily have to be religious. Correct. It can be, as you said, it's, you can be just something, something, something that's a tool that we can move golfers toward. Uh, absolutely. And what it largely... The, the thing for Dan Harris is that largely what he came to understand through the tool of meditation... He was able then to understand where his thoughts were. It didn't, like, I actually came up with this line that I like, is that for most people, and Harris included, your thoughts are like having an untrained dog on a leash that mm-hmm. yanks you all over the place. And that actually meditation is kind of like obedience training for your mind. I love that. Get that down. I did. That's patent pending. It's in one of my blogs. I love it. I I should read those. I wrote a... (laughs) (laughs) My last blog was on, whoa, meditation. And it was based on you giving me the, the, the book. So for golfers... See, I think I read that, but I just kept looking for my name, and when I didn't yeah, see yeah, it, yeah. I was like, okay, forget it. This has nothing to do with me. Exactly, exactly. Um, I do the It's same. funny. In Harris's book, he talks... It's, I'm not sure if it's Harris's book or another book on meditation. They talk about the monkey mind. That's how they describe it in Buddhism, is that you know we have this, cha- this mind that's filled with chaotic thoughts, and every once in a while, and some people try and quiet that in, in destructive ways. You know, a large part of addiction. I read this great article this weekend on addiction. And all addiction is is trying to cover up pain. 100%. And absolutely. a lot of people have so much pain in their in their mind. And, and they, they, they're they trying to basically just wipe it away. The great thing about meditation, even a little bit, and I only do a little bit, is that it takes it just takes some of that chaos, that dog on a, a leash feeling, mm-hmm. and it just quiets it. Quiet, it a little bit, but what I find is the rest of my day, I'm able to be more present just in general. Yep. Well, that's largely what that is around. So for, for golf, it's around like, what are you paying attention to yeah. and awareness. So, so one thing is, is that, so for golfers, is that say I'm coming down the 16th hole and I'm in, I'm in some kind of tournament or heading towards career score or something like that. If, I, if I'm thinking about what I need to do on 17 and 18 or you know, the, the difficulty of this hole or what winning the tournament will be, I am not present. So what that takes is awareness to understand where your attention is. So it's kind of like understanding, you're observing yourself so you go, oh, I am thinking about this. I'm thinking about the future. Does that serve me? Mm-hmm. No. Then I'm going to make a choice. And what meditation does so well is it gives you the skill of being able to be aware of where are my thoughts right now? Oh, I'm actually thinking about something that doesn't serve me. So I'm going to bring it back. And and in the case of meditation, most people focus on their breath. So it's Mm -hmm. not about achieving this bliss. It's not about stopping thought. It's about making a choice to bring your attention back to something that serves you. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's two things in that. You know, one of the, that's one of the things he talks about in the book. You know, you have to ask yourself, is this serving me? Is this behavior of any use to me? Mm-hmm. But what I said, and it's true when you were talking about it being a training tool, is that so you're, if you have, if you've, there's, uh, you know, our friend Paul Doolin yep. got me hooked up with a company called Muse. I think I mentioned it on the show they the, last the year. The headband. Yeah. So I've got the headband. Cool. And it's got a, a guided meditation. I want to borrow that from you. Um, well, Seriously. I, okay. I, I can't answer that question right now because I'm not sure I want to give it to you. In fact, I know I don't. Look how, look how sad you just got. No, I'm just kidding. You, you let me the book. No, you won't let so me. So I'm going to, you know, the point is... Um, I have to buy it. Okay. Uh, we really, okay, I'm going to edit this part out where, where we, we have a discussion. I know. Okay, I'll lend you the, I'll lend you the headband. I won't lend him the headband. Oh, dang. So the point about it is, is that it's got me started just doing a little bit of meditation. And honestly, and I say a little bit, like 
you know, months now, I can get through maybe a couple minutes, and, 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 and I'm talking about barely get through, because if you really are being honest with yourself, as soon as your mind starts to wander, you got to start over again. But it's, it's the exercise of bringing yourself back. And that's right. the thing I learned from the book. It's not about, about achieving nirvana, as you say. It's not about being esoteric or woo-woo. It's not incense or sitting funny. It really is just getting a little bit better at bringing yourself back. And now to continue your idea, you're on the 16th hole, and it really just is a way of taking all those monkey mind, that dog on a leash thoughts and going, okay, thinking about this being my best round ever, that's, not, that's great. It's not serving me very well. And just a little bit of breathing. Mm-hmm. And as I said to you as we started this, doing a little meditation every day now for some time has made the rest of the day when those things start to come up, I'm just a little bit, I'm 10% better at handling them. And that's what his whole point was, which, you know, most people are, you don't need to make a wholesale change. It's, it's unrealistic. But if you could be 10% thinner, 10% less angry, 10% more present, that's a pretty reasonable goal. Yeah, and that's another thing. What I loved about that book is that he demystifies he demystifies meditation again from this mm-hmm. woo-woo thing, and he makes it like a tool, and that you're not going to achieve nirvana. You know, your life isn't suddenly going to be all you know, uh, butterflies and wonderful, lovely things in your life. It might, if you get like 10% happier, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And um, that's part of the, the key thing I, I love about that book. And uh, he does a podcast as well that's really interesting. If, you wanna, if you're interested in meditation, his podcast is very cool. So the Not guy's as, name is Dan Harris, in case yeah. we haven't mentioned yeah. that enough. And what's really interesting, you can actually see on, uh, on YouTube, mm-hmm. that he did a, he, so he's a co-anchor of Nightline and also the weekend edition of uh, Good Morning in America. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, uh, they do a Nightline piece that starts... With him having out, yeah. a meltdown, a total, like, a, 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 uh, he had a panic attack while doing the news. And by the way, it's, it's funny because I read about it before I saw it, if I may interrupt. It's yeah. not, he describes it as more cataclysmic than it really is. And I can tell you as a broadcaster, he covered it up pretty well, but you can just see that oh, yeah. he's... Like the way he's, that's the only thing I'm not taking umbrage with it. But it, it, if you're expecting to see a guy like, uh, Albert, like Brooks. Albert Brooks in broadcasting, <laughs> one, of the, was one of the funniest things. Yes. Honestly, there's very few things that make me laugh like that. But it, you, I expected it to be like that. But it's just a guy, in the, he's doing a news update and, and starts to freak out a little bit. But as a, you know, as a broadcaster, in his head, it seemed yeah. you know, cataclysmic. Right. But, um, what were we talking about? Anyways, the point is, he, uh, that's, how, that's what began his sort of journey to find something out there that would make him 10% happier. Yeah, and so it's, it's a great book because it's, um, it's a great story, for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he moves through and how, how he came to discover it and uh, how it served him. But the key thing to me is that um, for so many people, and a lot of people already know that meditation is just it's just a great tool it's not something as you, as you say esoteric and that they can use it and golfers um it's, it should it's, be required for golfers well you know what one of the things that i do with most of my clients is i start them uh one of the key processes i lead them through is meditation at the start and, and um because so many players from and we're talking professionals to to uh, plus handicap scratch players, they go like, how do I quiet the thoughts in my mind? You know, like, like, as I say, if we're going with that analogy of going down the 16th hole, knowing that if I win this tournament, I qualify or I win or whatever, how do I quiet those thoughts? Mm-hmm. And, those, and it, so it's totally natural. Yes, we have this monkey mind. It's totally natural for us to have all these thoughts all the time. But meditation provides a tool for, for people to get back into the present moment and mainly that is through your body because your body is always in the present moment that's so, right so let me try something here right now um so, do you need do you want me to put some oh yeah kind of like some chanting theta music do you have any theta stuff uh hang on a second let me theta, see what theta. I, hang this on is a second like that music when you go in to get your uh <laughs> okay oh, this hang is gonna on. be fun oh yeah it's gonna be fun for me 
Oh, there we go. No, this isn't it. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the weekend. I can't feel my face. And I know she'll be- did we mention the name of the show is Swing Thoughts? I don't think we did. Oh, well, we just played. The name of the show is Swing Thoughts, everybody. And everyone, should, but I thought whenever we heard Dire Straits, we just knew. We just no, no. I just realized we've been doing this for uh, like thirty minutes. I don't oh, think okay. I mentioned. Maybe I did. Okay, go. I better go back and listen to the start of it again. All right. Okay. How long is this going to last? Because I, I don't know how long. long. Okay, not very long. So just, uh, just get that low. Get that. Yes, low. I'm getting it. Okay, so folks, if you're listening to the show right now, um, if you're driving a car or something, do this later. But uh, just invite you just to close your eyes. And get in a comfortable place. Both feet maybe on the floor, your hands in your lap. Feel your head kind of floating up above, above your neck, feeling f- kind of free. I'm going to get some real music now. Thank you, thank Shh. you. And then all I want you to do is think back to the morning. Think back to maybe what you had for breakfast, what you did, did what you got up, what you, what you saw, talked about maybe with your... Uh, with your partner there, that's that's really loud for people Sorry, trying, to, trying to meditate and stuff. Just relax. All right. So just, get I us see just... you getting very antsy. Try and stay here with me. <laughs> <laughs> I see you getting very agitated about our music selection. I can't get agitated if I'm leading, Would leading you please, the meditation. Sh- Tim, get back to leading the meditation. Okay. This is, by the way, music for yoga, healing, and massage. <laughs> please continue. <laughs> please continue. Available on the internet. Um... So, yeah, just think about what you did in the morning. Get a, a vision of what went on there. What were you doing? And just get that in your mind. Now, I just want you to go, what are you, you going to do tonight, this evening? What do, you, what do you have on tap? What do you plan on doing? What's going on tonight? And just get a sense of that. Digging this music. I would just like to mention that what I was doing this morning is what I'm going to be doing tonight, and it's, it's I don't, I really don't want, I'm not, a, I'm a bit ashamed of it, but that's okay. Is it healthy? <laughs> well, it's not unhealthy. But there's some debate about it. Okay, please. Okay. Continue with your meditation. By the way, I'm loving the shit out of this. Okay, so you, we got a vision of what we did what in you the did morning. The past, and then we have the future. The future, and now, of course, we're going to go to the present. So, in the present moment, what I want you to do now is just to really focus on your breath. Just feel the inhalation and the exhale, and a little space between them. And really feel, really feel your breathing. Feel as your chest expands, maybe as your back expands as you, as you inhale, and then gradually goes out as you exhale. And really feel what's going on there. Just feel your breath. And if a thought intrudes, just let it go. And bring it back to your breathing. So now we need one of those little bells in which we go, done. You know, one of the things that... uh, I'm not sure if I got this from Harris or another guided meditation. But one of the simplest things to do... And what you did there is lovely. But... One of the things that's good, it's worked for me is, and it's and it's a way to keep track, is, and that's a great way to set it up. But I do this thing where I breathe in and I breathe out, and I and I I breathe in for ten, and I breathe I breathe out for ten, and then I if I so I do one of those, so I breathe in, and then I breathe out, and that's one, yeah. and then I go to two. Three, four, and then I fight, find myself wandering. I have to go back to one again. Exactly, that's a great tool. And that's, but all that does is remind me. Okay, uh, okay, I'm starting back to one yep. to focus on the present. And when I'm in that situation on the 16th fairway and starting to, and I, and I, uh, I'm terrible as far as starting to think about past and future and what all this means. Mm-hmm. I find just doing that breathing reminds me that we're here now. Uh, I'm in this present moment. My feet are here. Yeah. Um, but what, I, I love that, what you just did there, and uh, I recommend it heartily to one and all. Well, what it does is it, it shows that basically how our minds time travel. We can be mm-hmm. going, like, so we're right here, we're talking, I'm talking to you, and if I start to think back to the morning, and then I can jump to the future, basically I can time travel. Mm-hmm. My mind can do that. Those are thoughts. They can go all over the place. However, when we bring back to focus on breathing, and particularly 
feeling your breathing. Right. Which is and where your body is, which is always here. That's the point. Your body is always in the present moment. Where is that? Is that from his book? Because I remember we were. I, I you know, know that. What? That's basically my own thing. No, no. We we talked. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's your own thing, but I've read that. I mean, we we had talked about this somewhere along the way, either probably, on the show or away from the show, about your body is always here. Your body's always in the present moment. They haven't got that that Star Trek technology, where the you know the transporter. Stuff. Mm. They haven't figured that out yet. But the I'm point, not saying it's not yours. I'm just saying right, I, right, right. I know I read it somewhere. Um, but it's a great thing to think about, you people who are into golf, is that, you know, you can't play 18 when you're on 15 or 16. Right. Your mind can. And that's why, you know, the whole debate about, you know, what do you... Yeah, if you... it's And I, and I know some people still say this. Oh, easy for you guys to say, you know, you both shoot in the 70s. I'd love to shoot in the 70s, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. If you're shooting in the hundreds, you'll have a better experience being more present. It just will be. The best story, I've told this story before, but the best story about that is that PGA Tour players, the best players in the world, to use Fred Shoemaker's uh, phrase, they're just as whacked out as we are. Absolutely. Jason Day, uh, I think it was 2015 that he won his Where he stubbed the chip? No, no, no. No. In the uh, PGA Championship, uh, Wolf Run, I think it's called. Whatever. He's coming to the 72nd hole. He's got a three-shot lead over Jordan Spieth. Oh, yeah, yeah. He comes up to the tee. What's his first thought? Don't double bogey. Yeah. Here's Jason Day, huh? you know, who's having an incredible year. He'd won the Canadian Open. He just missed a playoff in the Open Championship. He's going to finally win his first major. Everyone's been waiting for him to do this. He thinks, don't double bogey. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So there's proof that those guys are just as well, we're all, just as crazy as everybody else. Because they're not, not human beings. They're, they're, they're going to have the same thoughts. And believe me, they go to the first tee of a, an important round with the same excitement and, and butterflies and, yeah. and all, that, all that stuff. And, and, yeah, they may have a better golf swing than we do, but they don't have a better, they're not different species. Right. And they've, but they've worked on the skills yes. of awareness and where, and being able to, to know what they're paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And most of these guys use some form of, if it's not necessarily meditation, but paying attention to where their thoughts are. And that's and that can help you in golf. Can help you in your business, in your relationship. You know why do uh, why do uh, the cops and people tell you not to text and drive? Well, because it'd be it really isn't your advantage to be one hundred percent focused on what the car is doing. Because if your attention is diverted to your phone, holy crap, a lot of bad crap can happen. Um, you know, if your partner is talking to you and you're kind of sneaking looks at your laptop or something, you're going to, you're likely going to mess stuff up. And, uh, <laughs> I've done it many times. Mm-hmm. So the skill of awareness can help you in all parts of your life, but particularly on the golf course. Um, so 10% happier is the name of the book. And, um, like I said, I, uh, I'm glad that you have it now. I'm, I'm going to have to think about the, uh, the Muse headphones. I think you're well on your way. The thing about Muse <laughs> headphones, though, by the way, is what it is, is it, it's basically, it's, it's great for guys like us because it's a way to compete against yourself in terms of mindfulness. It actually, you wear it, like it's just a, like a, it, it measures your brain's activity so that if you can calm your thoughts down, it will give you a score. It, it reads out right. a result. And that's not dissimilar. There's other things, too. Yeah, one there's called, tons of stuff like you that. Know, heart math is yeah, one. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, you get this. Uh, you can just use it with your iPhone, and there's this thing that clips on your... Um, earlobe. Your earlobe, yeah. And uh, I did that for a while. It was really interesting. I was talking with someone who's um, you know really deep into, into meditation and, and awareness and all that kind of stuff. And she asked me about the heart math thing, and she says... Are you meditating for the practice of it or to hit a certain score? And I kind of went, whoa, I think score was a thing. Because well, I would look and I would go, oh, I had 535 points or whatever mm-hmm. this time. And I, and, yeah, uh, but you know what? If it's a gateway, gateway, if it's a way <laughs> to, uh, you know, what, like if for not everybody, you know, like it, I would say that those kind of things are useful because if you're not ready to just tell somebody, you know, I do a little meditation every day and you want to, it's a great way to get yourself started. 
Yeah. That's why I said, you know, I, I mean, the Muse thing is similar. You know, I mean, it's great. I sort of because I love to, you know, compete with myself. And I was like trying to measure how much more mindful I was today than the next day. The point is, it's a great way to get you into it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, and, the irony is, is that is that even among getting mindful or whatever, there's debate over the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of I mean, the simplest thing I would say is, you know, what Tim was doing there and, and my little technique of doing the counting, which is how I do it. I mean, when I first read the book for a few months, I would find a place every day and I'd sit there and I would try to meditate. And now I just do it sort of as a practice somewhere in my day. I'll stop for it. And again, I can't do it. Listen, when I hear people say they meditate for 30 minutes, I'm like, that's cool, man. But I, I, even after uh, I'm, just going to finish this. <laughs> Even after 12. Just relax there, Skippy. Even after almost a year of it, I get to the third or fourth minute, and I just either fall asleep or I just have to stop. I just can't. But I figure I'm just doing it just to build a little bit of yeah. you know, muscle. What did you want to say there, son? I do the 30 minutes. Yeah. I do it 30, like Monday to Friday. <laughs> it's why it's just those days i don't know i go to get my globe too early on saturdays but um yeah it i've been doing it for seriously eight years or so um and it took a long while it's only in the last um i would say two months frankly that i went from 20 minutes to 30 minutes and i thought it'd be a huge jump but it really wasn't but to your point about where you do it I did it at the Tim Hortons before we got here in, in all seriousness what for 30 minutes no I just did it for the time it took the lady right. to put my sandwich together because it was one of those things where um, where I, there was something wrong and, and there's like the people behind the counter they were getting pissed off at each other and the people who were waiting so there's a big backup of people waiting for their sandwiches and Tim Hortons and I was aware that there was something going on here and I could feel myself kind of tensing up a little bit about this weight and I just went no I'm just going to meditate mm-hmm. and so I just focused on my breath and I just sort of stared off into the distance but this is kind of my point about it as a useful skill for golf because you know, you know you're, if you're in the middle of the 16th fairway you don't have 30 minutes but you do have a few seconds right. as you're walking to your ball to start focusing on your breathing in a meditative manner not maybe state but definitely gives you a little bit more like I've used it I used it all through the golf season absolutely um, I use it before I go, you know, on stage. I, uh, I'm, I try and get as, as close to, like, not freaking out in those situations as I can. But I can't sit there for 30 minutes. I mean, that's great if you can. I, all I'm saying is you don't have to. Nope, you do I mean, not. it's Absolutely great if you can. You uh, like I said, after a year, I'm up to five minutes at times. And then I said, I, like Dan Harris said, you know, for the first little while, you sort of get sort of in a state and I fall asleep. Well, you know what? For someone who's been doing it a while, and I, and this is the world I'm in, is is thinking about that stuff, reading it, hearing it all the time. If you've been doing this for a year and five minutes, great. Yeah. You're, you're right where, you know, there's no right way or wrong way to do it, but that makes a ton of sense. Five minutes? That's great. And and it's, I'm going to tell you what, it feels like forever. It does. Yeah, of course it does. It's like I'm sitting there going, okay, well, I'm... I'm all meditated out now. You say, well, you're thinking. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking. Exactly. I'm and, thinking. And there's days in which I've went to start and I just like get up after a couple of minutes because my mind is just, mm-hmm. oh, I got to phone this person and I got this issue going on. And wow. So, uh, t- uh, Tim, I was going to say, Humble and Tim. Humble and Tim will be at the uh, golf. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. when is that show? What's it called? The Golf and Travel the Show? Go- Toronto Golf and Travel Show. We're going to be on the main Toronto. Stage. Yes. Look at us now. Yes. Toronto Golf. And travel show, golf and travel. There we go. 2017. The uh, dates are coming up February 24th. That's it. Here we go. 24th to 26th at the International Center. 5.30 p.m. on Friday the 24th and 2.30 p.m. on Saturday the 25th. So largely it's going to be Swing Thoughts Live. Swing Thoughts Live. We're going to do this show, the two of us, amazing things. Take some questions, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's good. Where are we? List of exhibitors? No, we'd be under, uh, it doesn't matter. Presenters, I think. It doesn't even matter. With Marty Chuck, our good friend of show. My boy, Marty. Yeah. Um, anyway, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you mean not like last year? <laughs> I, I'm over last year. 
Last year is so last year for me. <laughs> Folks, we showed up and we, it's kind of like they had us kind of in this back 40 with about 20 chairs. And yeah, it was just no good. Went, nah. <laughs> is that what you remember from last year, Tim? <laughs> So I was telling Tim before the show, uh, a few people who know me from the Humble and Fred show, you know, I do stand-up as well. And it's funny because stand-up's a lot like golf for me. Is I, you know, I, I stopped golfing for a long time, and then I kind of got back into golf. And, you know, it took me a few years. It took me four years to get my handicap to uh, where it is now. But it also took me a long time. to. I learned a lot in the last four years. In fact, it's funny because... I'm a better golfer. I'm a better golf player now than I was when I quit. And in a lot of ways, as a comic, I'm older now. I haven't done it full-time in almost 30 years. I mean, I've done lots of stand-up over the years, you know, hosting things and doing golf tournaments and corporate events. You know, last year in 2016, I did a lot of stage time. But let me say this. Getting up in front of a crowd, even a crowd of employees of a company and doing stuff is not the same as doing stand-up. It's the same analogy of... Golfing with your buddies and playing right. in a tournament is not the same. And I got to tell you, you know, being funny at your party or telling a joke to your friends is not like doing stand-up. It's a very specific and nerve-wracking thing. And as I said to you before we started, I've done uh, eight spots in the last three weeks. And on Friday night at Yuck Yucks in Toronto was the first time I kind of felt like I broke 80. Nice. Like the times before that... The problem with me is I look like I should know what I'm doing because I kind of walk on stage and I, I look like I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm not. I'm freaking out and I'm nervous and I'm trying to remember everything. But Friday night, I only did seven minutes, but it was the first time where I was kind of like, huh, huh. I felt pretty good. Like things were in real time. Right. Like I could focus on people. I could look in their eyes and I could see things. I could, things were happening at a little slower pace, still a little bit faster than now. Right. But, uh, and I've used a lot of what we talk about on this show. I, you know, instead of pacing around and freaking out about what was going to happen, I just sort of got really quiet before I went on and I got still. I went to a place all by myself and I took, I did some breathing and I do this now before I go on stage. And I, I just take a few minutes to not worry about whether I'm going to remember everything because that's a big thing for me. It's not just because of my age, but there's a lot to remember. Um, and it, it helped me. It's, it's definitely helped me be a bit more present. And uh, it's been good for the off-season because, you know, it's that feeling you get, that those butterflies, except it really is very, you know, most people have, you know, you know this as a, uh, as a teacher yourself, that most people identify the most, the scariest thing for most human beings is to stand up in front of people. Absolutely. And just talk. Right. Literally, Time Magazine did this thing years ago. It's, it beats death. <laughs> It literally, number one fear, public speaking. Number two is death. death. <laughs> People <laughs> would rather die than get up. You do some speaking at uh, Toast uh, Toastmasters. Masters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was trying to think of something to call it. I knew it was Toastmasters. Uh, toast lovers <laughs> or whatever you guys. But it's true. Dry, like it's, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you get up in front of anybody. Well, imagine now getting up and trying to make people laugh. It's like even beyond just getting up and saying a, a toast at a friend's wedding. Right. So I have uh, really tried to uh, enjoy myself because it's something I like doing. You can only imagine how obsessed about this I have become because it really is something that's been occupying a lot of my time because I go, well, I'm going on tonight in front of 250 people. I better be ready. But when it came time to go on Friday night, you know, I just was a little bit more, you know, calm. And I was, I I said, well, you know, I'm going to do the best I can and, and see what happens. Hmm. And I felt prepared because I'd been working on it for, you know, a few weeks and, you know, went really well. Like I said, I didn't, uh, I didn't shoot even par. I'm a long way away from yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm now getting a little bit, you know, more relaxed. And it was fun, and you know, like I said, you, the funny thing is, the night before I went on in front of sixty people, and making sixty people laugh is way tougher than two hundred people. It's just the vibe in the room is right, different. Yeah, yeah, I get that. You know, I'm doing a show this Tuesday in front of thirty people, and it's even tougher because they're right there, and it's a small room, and you know, if it doesn't go well, and it's just nothing happens, there's no noise, right. But uh, anyway, all this by way of saying that it's been really, it's been good being a little more mature about it, a little calmer about it, 
detached a little more detached because there's a very specific outcome you're trying to produce and if you don't it's a very specific you you get feedback right away that ball's on the green or it's not so let me run this by you yes sir so is it like would it be like golf in terms of preparing for a golf tournament so so someone's going to go to the range uh so for the weeks leading up to the tournament they've got a plan working on long game short game etc but as the event arises have to move away from this place of focus on on the mechanics could be and that could be like the the joke the words in a joke or something is it do you have to get yourself to a point where you're on stage and you kind of allow it to come up rather than trying to make it do it right which i think the analogy in golf is that a lot of people are trying to make good golf swings and thus they get in their own way they get tight they're anxious as allow as a as opposed to just trying to hit a good shot they they have, have something that they want to do they have an intention and it kind of almost like bubbles up within them and it allow it it's like an allowing mm-hmm. rather than trying um i mean there's a lot of it that's definitely analogous the reason i wanted you to finish the question before i answered it is cuz i want to consider it a lot of it is like that you know, you feel very nervous the same way you do on the first tee of your club championship. The difference is, you know, you, once you get into the round, yeah, for golfers, we need to allow the round to take place. We need to be playing with intention and, and not be so focused on the results and where I am and how many I'm over and all that stuff. The difference on stage is, like, you know, you have about 8 to 12 seconds each time you say something to see if the reaction is going to be there. And it's it's hard to detach from <laughs> yeah, oh, somebody yeah. not laughing at it. And there's a lot of decisions. It's it's When you watch a comic, you know, I forgot about this part because I haven't done it for a while. You're, you're constantly making calculations, you know, you, hopefully on autopilot, but you're making calculations based on how that did. Now should I wait? When's the next time? What do I say? But overall, I've uh, been, I've enjoyed it more than I used to, similar to how I like golf better now. And, you know, I'm getting what I want out of it. I'm putting myself in a position to be uncomfortable. Very, It's a very uncomfortable thing to do. And lots of nights it's easy to say, I don't want to do this. Why mm-hmm. am I? Like I said, one of my friends is a young comedian. You don't need to do it. I said, I don't need this. I have RSPs. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to go to Yuck Yucks on a Friday night. You know, I did this uh, line. I say something like... Uh, I started off by always. I, that's the other thing. I'm 56 years old. When I did, when the last time I did stand up as a profession, I did this for a long time in my 20s. But the last time I made my living solely as a comic, I was 28 years old. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So I have to walk out, and you know, I'm younger than most of the people in the room. Now, Friday night, there were a few guys our age, not very many, but 90% of the crowd is 40 or under. Most are 30 or under, 35 or under. Well, I'm not sure where last time you had a chat with a 28-year-old, but believe me, most of the things that we say don't make them laugh. We're not, yeah, the things that we associate. Yeah, they have no idea. Like, who's Monty Python? Exactly. <laughs> um, that's a great point. So I have to, but I don't want to do jokes for 28-year-olds. I want right. to I, I be funny for, for our age group, but I need to get my feet under me. Right. So I'm getting stage time so that when I do start doing performances for our age group, I'll feel comfortable. I, as I said to one of my other, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of young comics because they come on my morning show. So I said to one of them, you know, he said, oh, that's a really good joke. I said, I'm glad you like it, but it's not for you. I'm not do. I don't want to write. Hum- I don't want to make humor for 29 year olds. I have nothing to say to them. You know. Yeah, yeah. But my point of all this is, I have to acknowledge when I walk out that I'm older than everybody, for the most part. So I say something like, uh, "I know." Once I settle down, that's the other thing too. I used to rush out on stage, and I was always very, you know, very uh, frenetic. Frenetic, and and I've really tried to slow myself down. I need to do. I want to slow myself down even further. Like grounding. Yes. So once I get settled and I take my time, I look at the crowd, I look at the crowd and the first thing I say is, I know what you're thinking. I, hey, I didn't know one of my parents' friends was going to be here tonight. And that gets a laugh. <laughs> that is good. And I said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, I know I'm the same age as most of your parents. Where are they tonight? You know, they're probably at home, happily married with their investments. Not me. I got divorced, had a girlfriend, and now here I am Friday night at Yuck Yucks after a delicious dinner of cat food and tears. <laughs> But it starts the it's it gets the elephant in the room out of the way. Yeah. I know I'm older than you. 
I don't look maybe what most 30-year-olds think a 56-year-old looks like. Because they're, you know, you know what it's like with kids. Like, they don't have any. Once you're, old, once you're past 50, you could be 80. Exactly. You know, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, you and I, I mean, you know, we, we sort of don't, you know, we, I think what most people think of as older is like a different version. Okay. Certainly when we were kids, somebody our age, and I remember my father's sister, you know, Auntie Ruby, when she was probably in her 40s and 50s, I, I thought she was 100, right? <laughs> But now you look at guys like us, you know, you know, we look pretty decent for our age. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. Yeah, not bad. But certainly not when you and I were kids, what yeah. we would think of as an older person. Oh, exactly. You know, this joke where I do, I say, you know, I'm 56 years old. You know, I know I'm the oldest person in the room. A hundred years ago, I'd be the older person on the planet. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. but, but it's, so my point is I get up there and I acknowledge that and then I move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, all of this by way of saying that I've, uh, I enjoy doing it. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting is that so there's a lot of things we can draw from that, and yes. one of the things that uh, I find really interesting is that it relates with uh, it relates with golf, it relates with you know presenting on stage or maybe in a, a in a boardroom or something like that, but even to music, and um, so I was on the uh, as driving uh, in the car in the four hundred one yesterday, and I was listening to. Uh, we're I just got the Apple Music thing mm. for, for Christmas. Yeah, we're talking about that. It's yeah. cool. And, oh, it's amazing. It's like access to all the music in the world. No, it's crazy. And so I downloaded about eight Stevie Ray Vaughan mm-hmm. things to see if there's anything I hadn't heard of him. And uh, so I, I downloaded uh, Stevie Ray. I think it's Live at Montreux. And so in his chronology, his first appearance at Montreux was really interesting. But there was a lot of booze. People didn't accept it. And then they saw this guy is a genius. So it comes the second time. I'm not sure if that was two or three years later. It doesn't really matter. But the point I'm getting to is that one of the highlights of a Stevie Ray Vaughan show was his version of Voodoo Child, which was like the Jimi Hendrix mm. amazing like guitar extravaganza. And so on the, on the album version of that and other live versions I'd heard, it's very close to note for note with Jimmy. When he did this live at Montreux, it was like he was playing with it. It was phenomenal, just the just how loose it was and how he took it to different places. But he was like playing, mm-hmm. and it was just so much more organic, and uh, he made it so much more his own. And so, what I'm getting to here is that I'm wondering if like golf, like stand up, like performing in music is is just a, being at a place where things just you can. You're so comfortable. You're so in a place of trust, and you're grounded, and and you're just allowing yourself to flow. That you really are at play. Mm-hmm. So I just wondered, how does that relate to well, no, stand I, I, up? And, and, I, and I think what you say there is very interesting. I, I'm not there as a golfer. I, I'm certainly not there as a comic. But the point I think we've made this last year, and I'll make it again this year, is it's the it's the trying to get there is the whole point of for me at least of the exercise. It's a process. You know, I don't always feel like that on the golf course. There's lots of times where I'm not as present as I'd like to be, and I don't feel as full of joy and play as I'd like to be, but it's the the idea that that's what I'm trying to do. You know, like, I'm I'm not being hard on myself when I say, like, Friday night, if I played you this thing, you'd go, wow, that was pretty good. But I know how I felt inside, and I felt better than I did the time before, but I'm literally less, I've been on stage less than one hour in three weeks. So when I was doing it for a living, I was on... 45 minutes a night for years I did that so you get very comfortable you know your point about Stevie Ray Vaughan or or golfers is like it's it's in the trying to get that to that place that's the that's the point of it all yeah we always we all have bad moments like I said Thursday night I was I was just sort of okay you know it's the coming back each time and thinking okay well now's the time i'm gonna today i'm gonna be a little bit more relaxed or as you said to me you know a couple summers ago you know what's your intention and i have an intention every time i go on stage um cool tim stuff. o'connor you're a cool dude uh tim o'connor at o'connorgolf.ca go listen and look and learn and read um and listen to uh, the Humble, Humble and Fred, and Fred show. Radio.com. Yeah, listen. Come on, people. And look for, and if you're around Toronto, look to see uh, appearances for Humble Howard at places like Yuck Yucks. And well, and I'm going to be, I'll uh, tell you where you can see me. This weekend, I'm going to be at a thing called the Comedy Bar. Uh, two shows on uh, Saturday night and something called the Superstars of Comedy. 
or as I call it, the superstars of comedy and one old man. So uh, go check it out. Uh, what else do we need to tell people? Taylor made Adidas for now. Yeah. Club Link. Club Link. Toronto Golf Show. Name of the show is Swing Thoughts. Yeah. Uh, Dan Harris's book, ten uh, percent happier, and we're going to do this. So this is our first show of twenty seventeen. Yes, we're going to do a lot more. Yeah, and, we, we, uh, what did we get last year? Thirty five? Did we do thirty five of them? That's pretty good. I thought it was actually thirty six. Really? Right That's pretty darn good. That's cool. It is pretty cool when you think about it. You know, because we had to start with one. That's right. All right, Tim O'Connor, nice job. Uh, everyone you too, else, humble. Enjoy the rest of your uh, winter. I'd like to. T- I'm, I'm trying to be present, but I'm I'm so over winter already. I'm sorry. Be, I'd love to be present in Florida, or Fort Myers, or well, you made me Fort laugh. Lauderdale. You came in here going, "Oh, I haven't been I haven't been warm all morning," and I'm like, "Dude, I get it. I took the dog for a walk, and I just want to get into a blanket." Oh, I know. I, my hand was like in a ray of sunshine. I was like, "Oh, it feels good." It's absurd. Like seriously, have we not solved this problem? Uh, anyway, <laughs> heating right. and heating and, and things. Stuff. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye.